What's up? Hey, man, it's church. You're gonna wake up. Get excited. Or not. We can just stay chill. Whatever. Whatever you guys wanna do. We can just be chill this morning. Um, uh, we're finishing out this series this morning called Bless. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing this morning what the Lord has for us. I think we can all universally say this. The most... Uh, fun, most meaningful experiences that we have in life are the ones that we get to do with other people. Ones where there's shared experiences. I, in fact, if, if I were to ask you, look back on some of the coolest moments of your life. Uh, many of them, if not most or all of them, are gonna be moments that you had where you shared an awesome experience with someone else. Uh, and, and when I think, I, when I think back, I was actually doing this exercise as I was writing this out. I thought, what's some of the coolest experiences I've had? And the one thing that popped up in my head was, uh, the first date I ever had with my wife. Uh, and it's, listen, it, it's, it's incredibly nondescript because it's, it happened in Lubbock, Texas. There's literally nothing to do in Lubbock, Texas. It's the desert and some cotton. That's it. The entire city. That's what it is. Uh, and so it was like, what do you do? I mean, how, and everyone wants to have a cool first day. In fact, let me just do this real quick. Everybody has some really great first date stories. And then everyone has some that are like epic disasters and failures. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever had like an epic disaster first date? Like spaghetti up in your teeth or something like that, right? Yeah, right. And then how many of you have had like really cool first date experiences? Yeah, Everybody's like, I can't devote on this. I don't know. I don't know what I can say. But I remember our first date, and there's nothing to do in West Texas, and so uh, it happened to be Christmas time, and so the, the, the coolest thing that you can possibly do is to actually go look at Christmas lights. And so we took time to go look at Christmas lights, and listen, there are a thousand other things. I mean, there, you know, we've been now married 16 years, but I can think back to that time as one of the coolest days of my life, one of the best days of my life, we didn't do anything except for, well, we had dinner. Uh, we split salmon, which is just a whole thing. We went to a steakhouse and I split fish with. <laughs> so I just, I gave my man card away even at that moment. But, but we went and we got coffee and then we drove around and looked at lights and it's one of the coolest, one of the best days of my life, one of the best memories simply because of the human being that I was with. When we're with people, we have much better experiences. And in fact, even the coolest experiences that you've ever had that were maybe not with someone else, what was so cool is being able to come back and share your story with someone else. So you may have had a great moment, something that was unique to you and only you, but being able to share that with someone else was really, really meaningful. The most meaningful things we have in life are done with other people. It's just the way life works. And so whatever is fun and whatever's life-giving, whatever is a blessing, it is so much better when it's shared with other people. And so that's one of the things that we get to experience as people made in the image of God. And one of the things that we unpacked last week, and I'll just go over it briefly, is that we said, listen, 
God's blessings, the coolest things that we can receive from him and in him are, are not experienced passively, but they're things that we gotta fight for, that we have to wrestle with them, uh, wrestle w- even with God for them. We saw the story of Jacob and we, and we saw what it means to say, hey God, you wanna do some things in my life, but I, it's not going to happen by us just sitting back. There's something for us to enter into, to partner with the Lord and say, Lord, move in my life. I love if you look back at Genesis chapter one, verse 28, here's what it says is God has created mankind, he says, and God blessed them. So he's made Adam and Eve, he says, and God blessed them. And here's the next thing, after he blesses them, look at what happens. He says, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And so you have this immediate directive that as God comes over and covers and blesses, he says, now I want you to take what I've given you and I want you to give it away. I want you to create. I want you to multiply. I want you to go out. Whatever I'm coming over you with, it's not just meant to be on you and over you. It is meant to come out from you. This is what God's design and plan is for our life. And so not only are we meant to be a people who wrestle for the greatest things that God has, but we also want to be a people who give it away. In fact, the blessings of God are never going to be fully experienced until we begin to share it with other people. That it's one thing to be blessed, but it's an entirely different thing when we take whatever God is pouring over us and we begin to give it away. That whatever blessings we can receive, it gets a little bit empty if it only stays with us and it doesn't go out from us. In fact, one of the things we've been saying through this series is the greatest blessing of all is just God himself. Of all the things that the Father has given to us in every way that he's covered us, in every way that he's provided for us, in every way that he's walked us through life or gotten us through the, the valley of the shadow of death, which we've all had some of those experiences. When we walk through that, we see God's blessings in so many ways, but one of the things that we can stand back and look at is that God himself is the richest blessing. And he, as the richest blessing in our lives, just like all the other things we've received, is meant to be shared. If God is the greatest blessing and our blessings, whatever we receive, were meant to be given away, to be fruitful, to multiply, to create, and to subdue, if that's the truth, then God's meant to be shared. He's meant to be given away. I love what the Spirit of God says to the church in Philippians. In fact, if you've got a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter two. You guys at home, make sure you get a Bible as well. If you're here in the room and you don't have one, there's one under the chair in front of you. But I just want you to be able to see this directive that we get through the Apostle Paul to the church. And he's going to have something meaningful to say about what it means to be a part of the community of God. So that if you're in here and you say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I would call myself a Christ follower or a Christian, then there's a, this a call that goes out over our lives. And Paul is speaking to us by the Holy Spirit in Philippians chapter two. And we'll just start in verse one. And here's what he says. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've had any comfort from his love, if you've received fellowship with the Spirit, 
If you've had any tenderness, or you've experienced any kind of compassion, then here's what he says. Then make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. So here's the admonition. If you've gotten anything, you've received anything from Jesus and the community of believers, if you've received encouragement, if you've ever experienced comfort, if you've experienced companionship that comes from friendship with God, friendship with Jesus through his Holy Spirit, if you've experienced compassion or tenderness or kindness or mercy in whatever ways, in all these ways that Jesus does this in our lives and through the community around us. He says that I'm asking you to do this thing. Would you give this away as well? Would you be like, he says, what he says is like-minded, same mind and give the love and mercy and compassion and companionship of the son of God away to other people. How do we do that? One, we carry that among each other, right? By being like-minded, what he says is we become one. Here's the, what the scripture says. You can look back at verse two. Being one in spirit and purpose, meaning this, that the followers of Jesus are marked by being a people who give love and compassion away. That part of what unifies us is not that we've got all of our theology perfectly lined up, not that we've got cool building to, be, uh, to meet in on Sundays. None of those things are what unifies the church. What unifies the church is we've been so marked by the radical goodness of God that we can't help but be a people that give it away. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be people who receive it open-handedly, the kindness, the mercy, the goodness of God, and then we carry it. We have that same like-mindedness and we give it away. We're meant to be marked that way. And then two, we begin to see everyone around us, those who are in the church, but here this church, the people that are outside of the church, far from God. We get, begin to see them as vessels for the opportunity to serve and to bless. I want you to look at the very next verse. Here's what he says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So here's this call. We have a real, active progressive role in carrying the richness of God to the people around us. What he says is not just looking to your own interests, but there is a way in which we live our lives where we think about those that are around us. And we're looking for opportunities to give away who God is. We're looking for opportunity to express compassion and encouragement and comfort and tenderness and all the things that we've received in Jesus to be able to give it away. And so this is the call on our lives. 
We thank God for his blessings, and more than anything, we thank God for God. We thank God for who he is and his coming over our lives. But there's another step, and that is to say, okay, Lord, what do I do with this goodness? What does it look like? In fact, how do we practically begin to give away what God has granted and given us in him? How do we do that? How do we actively seek to bless? That's the question on our lives. So here's what I'm gonna do. We're just gonna unpack very, hopefully quickly and sincerely, five simple strategies for changing the world, right? Come on now. That's a good title for the next five days. Uh, huh? Do you wanna change the world? You see the world changed? There's, here's, this is what's at stake. This is what's at stake. It, when we talk about blessing, you talk about being nice to people. I'm not talking about what, when God comes all over us and blesses us and says through the word of God, I wanna use you to touch the face of the earth. Then what God is effectively saying is this, you will be the agent for changing the world around you. My people, my followers, my children, my sons, my daughters, my pastors and prophets and evangelists and apostles and teachers, all those that I've gifted, those that I've put my spirit into, you're gonna change the world. Because when people get God, their lives get changed. When people get God, their lives get changed. And so we're gonna unpack this. We, we got to unpack this very, very briefly in the first week, but I wanna go back through this. And what I'll say is this. The reason I say five simple strategies to change the world, because these five strategies were the very things that Jesus did and Jesus changed the world. Jesus changed the world. He turned the whole thing upside down and gave us a whole new life. And so how do we do that? How did Jesus do this? I wanna answer that question. Number one, everything begins with prayer. Everything that you have a hope to see happen around you begins with a place of prayer and saying, okay, God, you wanna change the world? You wanna bless people through me? This is, that I, if I've received encouragement, how can I give it away? It starts with this, beginning with prayer. And the question is this, what do we pray? And I got the most amazing and simple prayers for us to pray, and that is this. All right, here's what we pray. Father, make me a blessing. In fact, I, uh, we have a worship song that goes on in our house all the time. Megan's got a constant uh, worship playlist playing at our house. And there's one song that says, I mean, she says, make me a blessing. It's a rich prayer. And just, if you're audacious enough to pray this, get ready. You will bless people. If you're asking for it, God will give it. Because if you've ever asked the question, what's God's will for my life? This is the answer. They're like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? What's the question? Here it is. Father, make me a blessing. And two, Lord, would you show me today who I can bless? Show me today. I've just, as we've been doing this series, I've just been doing this in my own life and just looking for opportunities to speak words of life and be, just to be able to be a blessing. And all of a sudden, what I found is I'm in the waiting room because her dog has an ear infection. <laughs> Lord, love him. 
Hopefully the Lord loves him. I'm not sure I do, but the Lord does. No, I love the dog. It just, I mean, love. Like is a different thing, but love, I do love. But I'm in the waiting room, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, all of a sudden, instead of like, what can I do on my phone? I just was asked because I was asking the question, I was just looking for an opportunity to have a conversation. And now I'm the weird guy in the, in the waiting room with the dog with the messed up ears that's ready to have the conversation. It got to go, get into an incredible conversation with, and it happened to be a fellow believer and got to speak words of life and encouragement. This is what we do. We're gonna see the world changed. We can hope the government will do it, but that sounds exhausting. We can just take this with Jesus by the Holy Spirit and see the world changed. It's imp- this is important. So we just begin praying and we just begin asking that prayer and looking for opportunities to do that. All right, number two, number two, the church has got to become a people who listen, listen with care. Because let me tell you, at least here in America, the vast majority of America know all of the moral platitudes of Christianity, but what they're not really sure is, do we actually love them and do we actually care? And the greatest way we can ever show that we care for the world outside of here is by saying, by, by not, actually not saying anything and by sitting down and just listening to people's stories and hearing what they have to say, hearing what's going on in their lives. Someone needs to know that somebody actually cares. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know all of the things. You don't have to be able to even fix all the problems. Uh, if, if you're a problem solver, this is not what we're calling you to in this moment. What we're saying is, are you willing to be one who listens? We listen because someone else needs an opportunity to share their story. And they, there's all kinds of bad advice out there. But what someone really needs is to know that they're valued enough to be heard. And I love that because... Jesus is the one that did this with so many. Jesus over and over and over is listening to stories and talking with people and having conversations and hearing people out. And we got to see it. I love, love, love what Jesus' model of ministry was because he always asked questions. And what's great is Jesus was asking questions not because he needed information, but Jesus was asking questions because he wanted to dig down to what's really going on. And if you want to go, I don't know how to listen, you know, here's a great way we can actively listen to others. We ask questions. We just ask questions. We show that we care in very real ways. And when we listen, and I, I, I've seen this and experienced this, in my own life, and I, certainly um, in, in the lives of our family, when we ask questions, sometimes when we listen, there, it comes with tears. Uh, their stories might be hard. Their stories might be difficult. You may not feel like you've got any answers for what's going on, but we give space for God to do what God does by showing care and kindness and mercy. That makes sense? So we listen and we pray. And we listen and we pray and we encourage and we pray and we listen and we pray. I love um, what James says because James, the book of James is so practical faith in action. And he says, my dear brothers, take note of this. 
everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's a great way. If you want to enter into the arena with someone that you don't agree with, you want to begin to help someone who doesn't believe or see things the way that you do, a great way to do that is to listen and to open your ears, not to get into the, the, the boxing match on politics, but to listen to people's stories and hear what they have to say. Be slow to speak and see what the Lord might say and see what the Lord might do. I love this um, because this is our opportunity to say this because this is what Jesus says for us because Jesus listens to us. And when Jesus listens to us, what he's saying is, I'm in this with you and I'm showing up to what's going on. I can't think of a cooler thing than for our church to be marked by a group of people who are willing to say, I'm in this with you and I'm willing to show up to your stuff. So let's do this together. Number three, we eat together. Just make a, a plan to connect over food. I don't know why God has made it that way, uh, but it's just much easier to engage people in life over food. It's just how he made it. I think the Last Supper is a great example of what it means to be able to share something, have a shared experience um, in community with each other. Um, in fact, this, is, this was one of, at least we, what we'll see from scripture, Jesus' preferred ministry method was by sitting down with people to eat. Matthew chapter nine, verse 10 says, Jesus reclines at a table in the house and behold, many tax collectors, which are, the, that's effectively saying these are um, um, people that have betrayed their country. So tax collectors, so they're seen as ultimate betrayers and sinners came and they're reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So Jesus is, by the way, training his disciples to sit with tax collectors and sinners. These are people uh, that are scorned because of their fallenness and brokenness. And when the Pharisees or the religious authorities said, saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Effectively, he's saying, why does your teacher degrade himself by having relationship with people that are incredibly broken and could be a, a scandal to the purity of his ministry. That's exactly what they're thinking. And when Jesus hears it, I love his response. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners, of which we all are. So what Jesus is saying is a great ministry method is just to care for people by sitting down and getting into their lives. A great way to actually listen to someone is by creating an open opportunity. When we open our homes or we invite someone to dine or we go out or get over coffee, what we get a chance to do is say, I care about you the same way that Jesus cares about you. I want to see your life change and transform. Church, did Jesus want people to stay sinners and broken? Absolutely not. 
but his method was not to judge. His method was to come into their mess and call them up to a brand new life. So that's the call on our lives, to move in that way with them. Number, uh, number four, serve, serve with love. We serve with love. Now, one of the things that uh, I've, I have learned or discovered certainly in a long time of doing ministry is you don't always get to plan the times and the ways in which you get to serve but to be actively seeking for the opportunity to bless someone. Um, it happens sometimes at a moment's notice. It's the opportunity to help someone j- with the jumper cables or, the, or, or whatever, that, whatever the case may be. But when we're here, when we're praying and listening and we're looking actively, sharing meals, doing all those things, then we get the opportunity to see how can we serve in ways that are meaningful. It's nice to be able to put down, I'm always going to do it, you know, but we don't always get the opportunity. Thursday at four o'clock, I know I'm always going to be able to serve. Sometimes we have those things, but we don't always. In fact, we're working on ways, we're putting a team together right now, building up a team that's going to help us look for ways to do this collectively as a church. But far, far, far beyond uh, moments where we all come together and get a chance to serve our community, which we love and get to do, the bigger question is, are we open, uh, are our eyes open? to just saying, hey, what are the God-ordained moments to be able to serve and to care for someone? Sometimes it's a word of encouragement at a grocery store. Sometimes it's helping someone who's struggling through or wrestling with something um, or coming alongside. Um, I just, I'll say this. Um, you guys don't know this, but um, one, our elder, um, Kent and Brenda are this incredibly precious couple and uh, they just moved to a new house and, and, and Brenda has all kinds of, uh, she's growing, she grows everything under the sun. It's like, hey, she's got a, it's like a garden farm, amazing thing. She's, she's growing literally everything. In fact, if the apocalypse happens, I know where the food source is. But uh, the Lambius is like every weekend I've been going and helping them build them from scratch this garden, just serving, giving, caring for it. They, they don't even know I was going to say anything about it, except for I just found, I hang out with Kent and found out you guys have been doing this all the time. Just these radical, meaningful ways of giving their life away, laying their life down, serving, building garden beds. And, and it's just opening our ears and saying, how can we give Jesus away? What are the ways that we can just touch people's lives? It's the questions we're meant to be asking. Church, it might be just a little bit inconvenient for a lifetime of glory. Just moments of inconvenience for a chance to touch eternity. This is what's at stake. We, we're going through these, you know, this cute acronym here, you know, to be able to, for us to be able to remember. But you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to see the world changed and it's worth it. It's just worth it. It's worth building this value into our lives. It's worth building this value into the ways that we think. It's worth building this value into our children and into our spouses and those that we come into contact with. It's worth, worth building and living out these values together. This is worth it. I love uh, Jesus. Jesus says, Matthew 23, he says, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. So through serving, God will do great things. That's what he's saying. Through serving, God will do great things in my life, through my life. And that nothing can be greater than helping someone connect with God's heart for them. Nothing's greater. This is what greatness, this is how Jesus defines greatness in his kingdom.
the one who's willing to lay their life down. And then finally, we're a people who share your story. We get to share our stories. What a privilege it is for us to be a people that get to say, this is who God is and this is what he has done in my life. Now, um, one of the cool things that we get, it's not great if you're watching a movie if you know the end, because um, you want all the, uh, uh, all of kind of the, you want to live through the chaos getting up to the moment of resolution, right? That's how we watch movies. But it sure is great when you're walking through, when you're walking through the fire, if you knew that greatness was on the other side, it'd be great to have that assurance. The great news is this, you and I have incredible assurance of how this thing finishes, Okay, I'm going to read a snippet of how the, all of this finishes to you. It's in Revelation chapter 12. And I want you to see the end. If you wanna go there, you can turn there. Revelation chapter 12, you don't have to. We'll put it on the screen for you. Now, let me read the ending for you. Here's how this goes. Now, war arose in heaven and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accusers of our brothers have been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they loved not their lives even unto death that's the end amen that's how the story goes. This is the ironclad guarantee. And the beautiful part of this is that you and I get to be intricately involved in this ending because what it says is the way in which the enemy, the accuser who accuses God and he accuses you day and night is that the blood of the lamb overcomes and what? The word of our testimony, the declaration of the story of God. If you want to know what it looks like for us to overcome and see the world change, it will happen when you release your testimony. When you get opportunities to share your story. And you might go right, like, my story, it feels like a mess right now. Good news, that's everyone. And we're all walking from mess to mess watching the Savior pull us in. And what the world needs to see is not clean Christians who have their whole lives figured out. What the world needs to see are people seeking a savior who has made them clean and whole and given them a new identity and a new trajectory. They don't need to see are people that have all of life figured out. What we could do is we point to the one who has it all figured out and say, we're following him. He's made me whole and alive. I mean, I've got a new identity. I was broken, but now I've been made whole. I was lost, but now I'm found and whole. I did not have family, now I have a family. I did not have life and wholeness or purity or holiness, but now I do. And he's making me new. And we share that and we give that away. Church, this is what we're meant to do.
is how the story ends. This is how the story ends. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so your story's simple. I have these questions for you and then we'll finish with this. What was my life like before Jesus? This is how you, you define your story. What was my life before Jesus? Number two, how did I meet Jesus? And number three, what is my life like after Jesus? That's how we begin to put our story together. And we all have beautiful, incredible stories. And everybody's story, as sure as I look at the people across this room, I know you guys joining us online. There are incredible, unique, beautiful stories to tell. And we want to be a people who tell them. We want to be a blessing. So what we want to do. We're people who pray and listen and eat and serve and we share. That's what we do and we bless. We're gonna be a community and a church that blesses people. You guys stand with me. We don't normally have the windows open during our services because there's lots of distractions. I can literally remember pray, uh, I was preaching here one time and there was an accident outside and I was like, all right, just amen, we're done. Everybody's looking at the, all right. So we often close the windows to remove distractions, but I want you to stand right now and I want you to, if, if you feel comfortable, would you just face outside? No, it's normal to face me. You guys that are at home, y'all face. So you have to kind of awkwardly turn your body in some way all right, you have to move. And it's weird to move in church. I need you just to look outside. And I want you just to begin to think about, you guys can go ahead. I want you just to begin to ask this question. All right, Lord. You've made me whole and clean. You've changed my life. You've blessed me. In fact, the word says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. There's nothing you don't have. You may not feel it. You might not believe it. But this is true of you. And this is the, a moment for us to begin to Say, all right, Lord, you've covered me and blessed me. Now, Lord, would you help me to step into my destiny to touch other people's lives? Would you help me not hold the blessings of God for myself, but to be a people who give it away? I'm not afraid to share my story, to share, God, what you're doing, the ways that you're moving in my life. share your truth and to share hope and to share meaningfulness, to share a meal and to share kindness and compassion. So here's what I want you to do. Would you say, Lord, would you make me a blessing right now? I don't want to leave this place without believing my identity to be one who blesses. Make me a blessing. Change my mind when I leave my house Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon. Change my mind. Help me see myself as a conduit 
of your greatness and your goodness and your mercy. And would you just ask him this question? Lord, is there someone that you want me to begin to bless in some way, to begin to pray for? Just ask him that question. You're looking outside. So is there anyone you want to put in my heart just to begin to pray for? Someone I could serve or maybe listen to their story. Or maybe you've been asking me to share something and I've been holding off. But just ask him. Somebody you work with. We just want to serve. In fact, I just want to pull the heavy yoke off you to have to convert people. Or you have to change people. That's not your job. Your job's not to convert someone. Your job's not to change someone. Your job is to give the love of the Father away. Just want to speak that over you right now, covering you. You don't have to make, you don't have to change or fix anything. That's the king of the universe job. The call on your life is to bless, to extend, to love. Be merciful and kind and good. So we pull off any heavy yoke of religion. Right now, you guys that are with us at home, I pull off every yoke, heavy yoke that would keep you from being able just to be free to love and to bless and to give. Lord, make us a blessing. Just show us ways we can begin to touch this community, invite people into this family, invite people into your family, invite people into your goodness and your mercy and your radical love. You guys can face forward. We're just going to finish this morning. So the declaration of God's love and goodness. Father, I ask that we give us worship here in this moment. Would you stir in our hearts? In fact, if you just ask the Lord, Lord, would you stir and anchor in my heart? a new identity to be one who blesses and gives away your goodness. Let's sing. Finish this morning.